Hello, and welcome to Eagle Alpha's Profiting from Data podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Omri Ogard, Managing Director in North America at Bright Data. Omri has worked with Bright Data for seven years, witnessing the evolution of the firm from a startup to over 200 employees today. On this episode, Omri talks about Bright Data and the focus on publicly available online data. He brings up the challenges to the adoption of alternative data by institutions as data and technology, as well as legal compliance, are the existing hurdles to faster adoption. Omri provides advice to senior managers in banking and insurance, saying that firms can't exist and truly thrive in today's world without using data and that online data is the best possible resource to break down both value and risk. Please enjoy this dialogue between Omri and your host, Neil Hurley. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm joined by Omri from Bright Data. So, Omri, where are you now? Israel, working my way back to uh, New York, to the city, enjoying the, the COVID future, so to speak, in Israel, where uh, everybody walk around without masks and you can go to restaurants and, and shows and uh, just enjoying uh, the, the spring weather here. That's great to hear. I mean, Israel's been really in focus, I suppose, for leading the way around vaccination and COVID. I read an article the other day with a music promoter and he was saying that normally it would take weeks for concerts to book out in Israel, but they're booking out straight away. So it's it's difficult to get a, a, a table reservation. You have to think really fast if you want to sit in a, in a restaurant today in Israel or to go to a show. I try to book a restaurant and the next table is in July. <laughs> so everybody is out and about and enjoying it. It's, uh, I think, I travel back and forth between the city and, and Israel. And it's like looking into the future. I mean, uh, it's optimistic and bright. And I think uh, vaccinations are doing, you know, enormous positive things around here. So uh, we literally had a day with zero people, you know, dying, which is something new and very optimistic. That's great to hear. That's very positive. Uh, and tell me, you've been at Bright Data for a number of years things have changed quite a lot. You've had a name change. And for a company of your scale and size, it'd be great to tell people a little bit more about what you do as a business. So uh, first of all, I've worked for Bright Data for seven years. And it's very exciting. To be honest, it's very... We were a small startup and I watched it grow. And I was a part of this growth. And I've seen the evolution from a startup and, and the small market. And now we're at 220 yeah, well. I would say right now, maybe tomorrow it'll be just a little bit more. And a market that's have grown and matured. So it's uh, uh, personally, it was a great and amazing journey. And yeah, we, we changed our name. And uh, this, I think, you know, we've been through an evolution as a company. And we really believe that the change of name to Bright Data explains our commitment to web transparency. And it, it backs our uh, strong ethical stance. Understood. Uh, so previously you were Luminate and uh, the change to Bright Data happened uh, this year. Is that right? Yeah, a few months back, yeah. Very good. Congratulations. And so the type of data you're working with, Omri, you're, you're focused on publicly available online data. And mm -hmm. you've, you've made the point to me before about what this means from a personal data and a privacy perspective. Can you explain that a bit more? So th the first thing... Everyone, we think, in the financial sector needs to understand is that alternative data is not personal data. And alternative data is publicly available data that is gathered ethically with high compliance standards. We see more and more companies that are discovering 
that to be competitive, they need to make fast and accurate decisions. And the way to do it is using publicly available data or alternative data. Understood. So really what's core to Bright Data is that you source this publicly available data and you source it and you present it in a way that for the end consumer or data buyer, they can be comfortable around aspects like data quality, uh, data timeliness, uh, data compliance. Is that the right way of thinking about it? The online data within the alternative data uh, market creates an immediate and uh, continuous snapshot of reality. That's great. And you've got strong views on what's happening within the financial services sector. You've done a recent survey to get into more detail on this. Can you tell us a little bit about the survey and, and the background to it, how it was designed, who participated, as well as some of the key findings? So we carried out a survey with uh, insurance companies, uh, banks, hedge funds, and uh, data providers. We saw very interesting results, I think, for us as a market and also for our uh, consumers, so to speak. And the first thing that, that you see is that uh, 25% of businesses within uh, the survey use alternative data every day. And 75% of businesses do not use alternative data every day. So on one hand, you have the, the market, 25% are using it. I think that's a good adoption rate. That's very interesting that we have a market, it's operating, it's live. And 75% were not using it, that, that's the opportunity. We still have such a huge opportunity. And we saw that they were facing two main challenges, the 75%. One is the sourcing of the data, and the second is the analyzing of the data. And we at Bright Data, we, we focus on the sourcing. And you can break down the sourcing into two challenges. One is the technical aspects building up the team and, and setting up the infrastructure and the blueprints. And that's a huge challenge in itself. It's There's boundless data, amounts of data out there and yep. sorting it and getting it into the system. That's a challenge in itself. And, and we'll talk about it later about you know the, the influx of talent between tech and, and, and finance. The second challenge that we saw is the legal aspect. We solved it in, in Bright Data with our ethical stance and laying down the, the legal aspects around it, monitoring the network. And I think we're, we are kind of a market leader in, in that sense that we know how to provide uh, publicly available online data to enterprises, big companies that have that such uh, strict regulations and legal uh, boundaries. And within the survey, you were surveying uh, banks, I believe, insurance. Did you survey funds? Did you notice any differences between those three different groups? So we saw that the leaders in adoption, and I, th I think it's not a surprise, uh, hedge funds are the leaders. You always see the top hedge funds as innovators, at least uh, in our view, and insurance companies, which are in essence are a data company. The new thing for them is not using traditional data sets or internal data sets, such as financial reports or other um, actuary internal reports, but using alternative data going outside. And ba banks are the last one to adopt. It's a 57% adoption rate. And I think it's interesting because the banks were the last to also adopt online activities, online banking. You see some of the banks that are doing business for uh, 200 years and changing the data strategy around the core activities. It's a big ask out of them, but still 57% adoption rate is a very optimistic. And I think it's very interesting to see that companies and banks and insurance companies and hedge funds and fundamental funds. And it's adopting, it's very interesting to see. We think 
that um, private equity is also very interesting um, use case as this is not only for publicly traded companies, but this is data around the entire market. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's a trend we're seeing in our own business. You know, as an aggregator, we monitor these different groups and we see it both in terms of people's uh, coming to conferences, for example, to meet with data companies. We see it in resourcing. So Omri, in the survey, you were saying that banks and insurance uh, are lagging behind funds. Why do you believe that's the case? Is it compliance? Is it the size of the entities? Why have they been slower to adopt alternative data versus uh, parts of the asset management community? I think, first of all, if I'm a chairman of a bank, I'd love to have the most relevant, up-to-date information to make fast and accurate business decisions. So the will is there out of their side. And the understanding that online data is maybe one of the best available resources to break down the value of the risk is also there. They are making the efforts to lay down the blueprints and the foundations for the technological aspects, the recruitment efforts to bring in teams that knows how to handle uh, data. This is a big ask from any huge enterprise to create such an environment that has the technical aspects around it, but also the legal and the ethical aspects around it. And once they'll solve it, I think they'll adopt online data and we see that they are making the efforts around it. So in the near future, I think the adoption rate will increase. Agreed. We're seeing that now in terms of large bank and insurance uh, companies. It's definitely much further up the agenda in 2021 uh, versus uh, 2020. And in terms of bright data, can you, as it relates to people uh, or banks or insurance companies wishing to work with online data, um, can you accelerate that process for them where that desire is there at a senior level to introduce the online data sources? How, how can you help? We bring expertise in creating data collection in a mass scale. And we have the ethical and the legal infrastructure to start and collect such uh, vast amounts of online data. And we saw a very good response in how we structured our compliance teams and our compliance aspects from our uh, uh, enterprise and, and financial uh, sector uh, customers. And this is really important. When you look at a network like Bright Data today that collects petabytes of, of information every month, we have to know what our customers are doing. We have to know what types of data is collected. This is our ethical stance is something that brings uh, value to uh, our customers obviously to bright data, but also for the entire ecosystem that allows it to exist. And again, I want to make the distinction around it that online data is not personal data. Uh, I agree with your points. I mean, what we're seeing uh, in our world of um, people coming to us is that the data person is obviously key, but also the compliance officer is mm -hmm. equally uh, as important decision-making around uh, bringing data sources into the firm uh, for decision-making. And so the key recommendations uh, that you would make to your know, senior management team within a bank now or an insurance company looking out through the, the rest of the year, what, what would be some of the points if you were sitting in their shoes? The first thing we, we understand is that um, you can't exist today without collecting 
the data. We see the efforts from our customer side. Online data, it's an immediate and continuous snapshot of reality. And in order to start and doing it quickly, because the reality is that the amounts of data are increasing and the adoption rate from the competition is increasing as well. So the two major efforts to start and, and using data is actually laying down the foundations and also technical, you know, the technological foundations. And the second thing is laying down the, the legal and ethical foundation as well. So before you can even start and use the online data, you have to make sure that you're doing it, you know, in the right way. And the second thing that we see in 20, maybe kind of an outlook to the future, is that the types of data available is going to increase. We see, you know, podcasts and videos, and that generates a data in itself. That's a data set in itself. Even if you look at the, you know, using all types of outlooks into the new data is, do I look at ads at podcasts and all those kind of activities that are available? Yeah, I agree. There's some really, really interesting uh, data techniques in terms of converting video and uh, audio into more structured insight. I, I, I really, I, I do agree with you. What we've seen as a catalyst in this year is that ESG has been uh, a factor in terms of not just funds, but also banks starting to think about their overall uh, strategy. And the SFDR framework in Europe has received a lot of attention and it became, or was implemented, I should say, uh, you know, in the first quarter of this year. And that is meant uh, that has proven to be a catalyst. What's your own perspective on some of the ESG trends that you're seeing and how has it impacted bright data? What I want to focus on, on ESG is that data can not only be used for uh, traditional business data, as we saw in the past, but also for new investment strategies. And, and that encompasses ESG. So Lately, we saw some work, uh, we are working at, at Bright Data at, on the S in, in uh, ESG, on, on social um, awareness, on the type of recruitment done in companies, the diversity, if it's for governance, but also if it's for investment strategies. And that's, I think that's super interesting to see that the abundance of data can create an immediate impact, both on the data uh, strategy, on the investment strategy, but also um, just for, again, for governance uh, reason. And the second uh, data work that we, we are doing lately is uh, executive payouts, which is, I think, again, it's very interesting because it's the ESG, and I think this is what we will see in the near future, will encompass more and more data sets and more data strategies, both for governance and for investment around it. I agree. One of the requests that we've seen recently is on diversity and inclusion within a company that we try and look beyond just the board level and the executive team. So with online data sources that you work with, you're able to effectively provide full transparency on you know, thousands of companies. Is that the right way of, of thinking about it? I think it, it, it brings uh, transparency. What we see is that the online data can create an immediate snapshot, anything from the Suez Canal, amount of ships in the Suez Canal, all the way to supply chain management. Where do I get my laptop from? What are the ingredients with the parts within my laptop? And how did they get there? 
And do they create pollution on the way there? Do the manufacturer are doing, making sure that they have all of the standards in, uh, in labor? And anything from uh, gas prices to uh, diversity and executive payouts, everything is, encompasses ESG. And, and the way to look at it is that if you want to make a decision, if you want to, make, to get an immediate understanding, the online data can give you a snapshot around ESG and not something manufactured by the company and not something that is published you know, at best uh, once a year. Agreed. And that's one of the challenges with ESG data is particularly where it's from company sources and it's self-certified or, you know, it's it, the frequency of the data can be can be very low. So when you're engaged by a bank or by a fund uh, to do an initiative using publicly available or online data, um, what does an engagement look like? Are you working with them for you know, months to arrive at something more bespoke? How does it work? We see a real diverse portfolio around it. The first work is actually the compliance and ethical work around it, the legal infrastructure. That's the first thing that we do. We see more and more that there is a blueprint, that there is foundations, and that actually shortens the way. I think both of us were in uh, previous discussions in this market around the time that it takes to onboard as a new vendor or to get new data. And I think that shortens as time goes by. And I think this is a lot to do with the work that everybody's doing. If it's the FISD, if it's the conference that we're in the past, there's a lot of work around it to shorten the path. But the first thing we do is work around what is allowed, what is not allowed. How do you, they view the ethical work and how do we view it and how to provide value under this kind of uh, legal and ethical umbrella. and our work around it, we, I mean, we have very strict ethical compliance at every stage of the process. We make sure when we work with a new client, they are going to use the data ethically. And this is the first stage. And the second stage is fitting the technologies. What we see is they are making huge efforts to onboard the data. And this also, as uh, time progresses and we kind of step into the future, the, the, the financial sector understands that they have to go through this process. And we see an influx, and, and this is something we saw in the survey, that the U.S. adoption rate is uh, higher than the U.K. adoption rate. I think this is a, a natural transition of people from the tech companies into the financial sector, and that allows a higher and faster uh, adoption rate. And we'll see in the near future, in my opinion, more traditional markets adopting faster the technology. So to kind of sum up the question, I would say the first challenge is the ethical and legal aspects. And the second one is the technical aspect. And I think both of them are becoming uh, less of an issue as time goes by. Would, I would agree. We're seeing more efficiency and, and compression in, in timeline. Uh, so that, that's good to see that you're seeing that as well. The final point uh, I just wanted to ask you about is the future. And just to get your perspectives, where do you think we're going? Um, what type of data sources do you think we'll be working with in the future? And how do you think the corporate or the enterprise of tomorrow, what should they be thinking about? The first thing comes to mind is uh, video and sound. And this has two aspects, I think. One is the understanding. We need to understand as a market that there's boundless opportunity. The data realm is increasing and expanding all the time. We'll find more 
data opportunities. And the video and sound are not only creating more data types, but are creating more uh, value to our customers. So th- in 2021, we'll see more adoption of that kind of data. It, to break it down, it could be instead of using hashtags, then listening to podcasts and, and finding words doing brand protection work around it, if it's not in the financial sector, but in other uh, sectors as well. Who is publishing what shirt? What's the value that publicity gives to brands? So this is definitely an alternative data source that I think it's yet to be fully utilized and it will happen in 2021. We're already seeing companies that are working around it. And the second thing is the, the layering of data. We see other markets like the e-commerce market and the travel markets that are adopting alternative data faster for business decisions. They already solved the problem. The ethical, the legal, the technical, they solve the problem, they are in it. And I think the alternative data market, the financial markets can look at it. And once they'll make the distinction that publicly available data gathered ethically is critical for financial investments, and we'll see an acceleration in adoption rate in the banks and insurance companies, We'll see in 2021 also the layering of more data sources. More data sources will be viable for usage. And we'll see three things coming together. One is the technical teams being established, the ethical and legal aspects being solved, and the understanding that you can layer a lot of data sources. If it's video and sound and prices and articles and, you know, whatever long tail you can go into. And that will be 2021. So, Omri, really appreciate your time today and for the insights. Uh, so for people that want to see the survey, brightdata.com, it's available. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we all get to see each other again in, in uh, New York later in the year. And I wish you safe travels from your home in Israel back to, back to work in New York. First of all, thank you for having us. It's been a great partnership with uh, Eagle Alpha over the years. And yeah, definitely I'll, I'll be in the city and hopefully we can meet up. That'll be great. Thanks, Omri. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Profiting from Data. Thank you for listening. This podcast series is brought to you by Eagle Alpha, the pioneer in alternative data. To learn about Eagle Alpha solutions for data vendors and buyers, please visit eaglealpha.com.